Well, it's an honor to be here this morning. Are you glad to be in God's house? Say amen. 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 We have been looking forward to this day, and it's strange in some ways. It felt like it would never get here. Well, here it is, and we're excited to be here. We've been praying that the Lord would have his will done in both our life and for the life of North Etowah Baptist Church. We're excited to see what God has done in the past here, but also excited to see what God has for the future. Amen. And so we thank the Lord for that. If you have your Bibles this morning, look with me to the book of Mark, the book of Mark chapter number 14, and we'll look at a few verses in Mark chapter 14, and then we'll look at some of Mark chapter 15 as well this morning. I want to preach on a title or thought this morning, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? In Mark chapter 14, I'm reminded of a story by Charles Spurgeon. He says, the man who has never been on a ship says, I am a splendid sailor, but I have heard such uh, boasting often, but I have seen that same gentleman when he had started only a quarter of an hour, and he has learned that there is not so much of the sailor in him as he thought. In a similar manner, some people are fine Christians until they are tried and proved. They never have any doubt or fear whatsoever, but put them in the circumstances of others of God's children, and they are first to show signs of weakness. We find such a case this morning in the book of Mark, chapter number 14, and I want to look this morning at Peter and what happened in his life and in his heart, and my prayer is that this morning Christ will also speak to your heart. Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse number 66. The Bible says, now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servants uh, of the high priest came, and when she saw Peter uh, warming himself, she looked at him and said, you all, uh, also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch and a rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him, and he began to say uh, to those who stood by him, this is one of them. But he denied it again, and a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and your speech shows it. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. The second time the rooster crowed, then Peter called uh, to mind the words of Jesus, that Jesus said to him, Before the rooster shall crow twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. Here this morning we find the story in Mark chapter 14 of Peter's denial of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why was it that Peter denied the Lord, you might ask? Maybe it was fear of the flesh and maybe it was doubt that Christ was the Messiah. You see, you have to understand from the Jewish perspective, they were looking for a Messiah who would come, who would uh, conquer and defeat the Roman Empire and set up his earthly kingdom. And they have fear, they had trusted in Christ, assuming that he was the Messiah, this military leader that they were looking for. Now they come to the end of the road, and here we find that Jesus Christ is about to, has been arrested, and he has been telling them all throughout the book of Mark that he is going to be crucified, and they cannot comprehend what he is saying. But now reality is beginning to sink into Peter's life. He recognizes that Jesus will indeed be put to death, and Peter says, I don't know him. 
I believe that the denial was in part because Peter was fearful of his circumstances. But in many aspects, I believe that Peter's denial was due to the fact that he did not recognize Jesus in what he was doing. Christ was not behaving in the way that Peter and the apostles had anticipated. How could he die? He was not meant to die, but to be a conqueror. He was not a sacrifice, but a king. So were the expectations of the apostles, yet he was what they expected, but their eyes had not yet been opened to exactly who Jesus was. He was a conqueror. He would defeat death, sin, and the grave, yet his victory was a victory that could not be seen with the physical eye, but rather with the spiritual. There are multiple angles from this passage of scripture with which we see that Jesus Christ was rejected. In chapter 14, we find that he was rejected by Peter. In chapter 15, beginning in verse number 6, you'll find that uh, the Jews also rejected him. They had a choice. They could either uh, release Jesus Christ or Barabbas. And they said, give us Barabbas. And they said, what shall we do with Jesus? And they cried out, crucify him. He was rejected of the Jews. Furthermore, we find that he was rejected of God. Jesus Christ there upon the cross, he cried, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Peter rejected, or Peter rejected Christ because of concern. The Jews rejected him out of covetousness. They were envious of who Jesus Christ was. The Father rejected Jesus out of his divine character. He could not behold the sin that Christ had bore upon himself, your sin and mine. Yet Jesus was faithful to Peter. He forgave the Jews and he followed the Father. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 3, the Bible says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. He was rejected. This morning, if we look at the state of the church, the church of God, uh, generically the Southern Baptist Convention, and the effects COVID have taken upon our churches for the last few years, there are some who might say that the church is dying or dead universally. I've heard pastors say after last week in California that the Southern Baptist Convention is dead. I want you to know this morning, though, that the church is alive because Jesus is alive. Amen? The gospel is greater than the convention, it's greater than the government, and it's greater than you or me, Jesus Christ. Because he lives, we have life and have it life abundantly. We have, as God's people, have grandeur ideas that have been elevated to the equal footing of the cross. However, the Bible says that they are broken cisterns. In Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse number 13, the Bible says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. This morning I submit to you that, that we must get back to a place where our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ and where our trust is in Christ and Christ alone. In Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Many years ago, there was a large that was brought to England 
The gentleman who brought it put it into his hothouse, but it did not develop into a healthy manner, and so after time it had grew into a spindly tree, and he cast it outside. There it grew into a splendid tree, for it had found a temperature suitable to its nature. The tree was meant to grow near the snow. It loves cold winds and rough weather, and they had been sweating it to death in the hothouse. So it is with true Christianity. It seldom flourishes so well in the midst of ease and luxury as it does in great tribulation. Christians are often all the stronger and better because they happen to be cast where they have no Christian companions or kindly encouragement. As liberty usually favors the hardy mountaineer whose rugged hills have made them brave and hardy, so does abundance grace as a rule visit those who endure the great fight of affliction and through much tribulation inherit the kingdom. You say this morning, what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say this morning is that the church has taken blows, that the society has turned against the church, and COVID has wrecked havoc upon our churches. And you say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? What I'm saying is the church always flourishes through persecution and that God is bigger than our circumstances. Therefore, we must decide what will we do with Jesus this is a question that every child of God and every church must decide. The Spirit of God has not lost his power. If the church dies, it will be because we have abandoned our source of life. If the Southern Baptist Convention dies, it will be because we have rejected the foundation of God's Word. If, we, if you or I are spiritually dead, then we must ask of ourselves this morning to come to the foot of the cross where there is life and life abundantly. There are a few things this morning that we must remember. I said the title of the sermon will be, Where Do We Go From Here? And I want to ask just a few questions this morning. Look at just a few things on where we must go from here. First and foremost, we must remember who we serve. See, that's the problem with in chapter 14 of Mark with Peter. Peter had forgotten who it was he was a servant of. He said, yes, I, I don't know him. I don't know this Jesus that you're speaking of. He is not who I thought he was. He is not what I thought he was. I don't know him. This morning, we must remember who we serve. That is, we serve God and not ourselves. Too often we are prone to serve ourselves or our community. However, our service must not be uh, maybe towards our community, but it is not for them. Our service is for the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the reason that we labor. He is the reason that we work. He's the reason that we are gathered here this morning. It is that we might lift up and praise and glory the name of Jesus Christ. Likewise, we not serve America, and I'm proud to be an American. But I do not serve America. I do not serve any human agenda. But rather for the child of God, Jesus Christ is our purpose. He's the reason that we live. And he's the reason that we sing. He is our purpose in life. Amen. We thank the Lord. We must remember who we serve. Peter had forgotten just who Jesus was. 
why you say preacher well he was living in a circumstance and it's easy for us 2,000 years later to look back and condemn Peter saying Peter how could you deny the Lord Jesus Christ but put yourself in his shoes for just a moment Jesus was the Christ the Messiah they're expecting him to be a military leader and uh, that's why Peter carried a sword he was ready to fight. He was ready to go to battle for the Lord Jesus Christ. And now Jesus reached down and healed the ear of the Roman soldier. Willingly let himself be bound and taken into captivity. In the darkness of night, it seemed like there was no hope left in Peter's life. And Peter, no doubt, began to question, what is the purpose of all that I've done? I have sacrificed years of my life to follow this man who I believe to be the Christ, but he is not what I thought he was. It's easy to judge Peter sitting right here in the church on a comfortable pew this morning. But from where Peter sat, there were far more questions than answers. This morning, maybe it is in your own life, you have more questions this morning than you have answers. And maybe you look around and go, I don't understand what God has done. I don't understand what God is doing. And if we're not careful, we will allow our circumstances to bring us to a place where we get our eyes off of Jesus. We must remember who we serve. Second of all, this morning, we must remember why we serve is there not a cause why do we serve this morning we serve for the gospel of jesus christ the the great commission is our rallying cry for the church and uh we know who we serve but what is the focus of our service ultimately the, that is the great commission mark 16 15 go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature it is our desire and goal as Christians, it is our duty to proclaim Jesus Christ. Carl F.H. Henry said, The gospel is only the good news if it gets there in time. We have the good news. We hold the truth. And we believe that the Bible is true. Amen. We believe that Jesus Christ died for sinners, as Paul said, of who I am chief. And if we believe this to be true, then it is our duty and it is our obligation to carry the truth to those who don't have it. Uh, what kind of doctor would it be if they saw a patient, they're dying with cancer, and they had the medication, but they failed to administer it? We would say that was an evil individual, would we not? And yet you and I hold the cure for sin. A disease much more dangerous than cancer because it can condemn the eternal soul. And you and I hold the power, the gospel message, the medication that is the cure for that sin, that disease of sin. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ, death buried and rose again. And who are we? Or dare I say, what are we? If we fail to carry the good news. It is the word of God. We must remember why we serve. This morning, why do we serve? What is the purpose? From the songs that are sung to the, uh, to the events that we carry and hold and, and to every uh, a breath that we breathe, why, why do we serve? 
I fear that my own life, and I dare say many of you here, we get so caught up living the American dream that sometimes we forget what the purpose of it all is. The, the, the true joy in life, the true treasures that we lay up are not those on earth where moth and rust, uh, rust does corrupt, but in heaven where there is no death or dying and we must serve. This morning I want to ask you, what are you living for? You say, Pastor, where do we go from here? Peter had failed. He had made mistakes. Peter had turned his back upon the Lord and denied the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything seemed dark. Everything seemed like it was a failure. There was no hope. Where do we go from here? Pastor, where, or Brother Randy, this morning, where do we go from a place of not having hope or purpose? Where do we go from here? We get back to the basics of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we live for him, that we serve him, that we dedicate our lives to, to furthering the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then thirdly this morning, where do we go from here? We must hold to the assurance that Jesus is greater than our past. Over the last several weeks, it has been a joy to get to learn what God has done at North Etowah Baptist Church in years gone by and what he's still doing today. Why rejoice? It's been a blessing. I thank God for what he's did in the past. Red Fox's Book of Martyrs, and I got a new book version of it this past week, and uh, the Fox's Voice of the Martyrs. Why well, I love reading about people who served God and God worked in great ways. I, I love what God is doing, what God has done. I've read stories of revival, like the Welsh revival and different revivals that God used small churches and congregations and young boys and girls to, who prayed and got a hold of God and revival swept across their nations. I've read of the Great Awakening and different revivals that have taken place here in America. And boy, I, from a historical standpoint, I love reading these stories. But this morning, it's not good enough for me to just read about what God has done in other generations. I'm interested in what God's going to do here. I'm excited what, what is God going to do in my life and in our heart. I want to experience the power of God in my own life, don't you, this morning? God is greater than our past. Mark chapter 16, verse 7, it says, but go tell, watch this, Mark chapter 16, verse 7. The Bible talking about, he says, but go your way and tell the disciples and Peter. And Peter. See, in Mark chapter 14, Peter had denied Jesus three times. Peter, here we have Christ comes to his greatest moment of, of suffering. Here it is upon the cross. Jesus has died and given his life as a ransom for sin. While Christ is dying for the sins of Peter, Peter denied Christ. If you look at Mark chapter 15, you'll find that those around the cross said, surely this was the Christ. He was who he claimed to be. The world knew. 
And now Peter has to face the reality. He had forsaken Christ when Christ needed his faithful the most. And here Peter has the guilt, the shame, the embarrassment that he had not stood up and and did what he was supposed to do. He had not been faithful to Christ who had been faithful to him. And in Mark chapter 16, Jesus specifically says, go tell the disciples and Peter to come. I want to meet with them. This morning, I want us to know that Jesus Christ is bigger than our past. You might say, Pastor, I'm here this morning, and and, and I'm glad to be at church, but there's things about my life, my past, that I'm ashamed of, things that I'm not happy of. Welcome to the party. That's every one of us. But I'm glad this morning that Jesus Christ, he's bigger than my past. He's bigger than your past. And he said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Make sure Peter, he comes. I want Peter to know that I died on the cross. I've already forgiven his sin. I still love him. And that same God who gave his life and forgave Peter, he died and he's willing to forgive you of your sins as well. Sometimes we stumble and fall. There is no pastor, deacon, or layperson that has ever ministered or served who has risen above failures. This morning, but we have the assurance that that Jesus is greater than our humanly limitations. Just like Daniel in the lion's den, the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, or Samson after he had sinned and had his hair cut, God is able to take our circumstances and do in our lives what we are not able to do ourselves. Peter had failed. He had denied God. And while he was denying Christ, Christ was dying for the very sins that Peter was committing. Just as Peter went from failure to forgiveness, we find that Christ used him in a great and mighty way. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in just a few sermons, in the book of Acts, we find that over 8,000 individuals were saved. God is bigger than our past, and our future is greater than our past if we come to a place where we lean upon and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who hath begun a good work in you will also complete it, or complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm glad that God is able to work through us to accomplish the task of his kingdom. The question is today, I'll ask it one last time, where do we go from here? Where does the church go from here? The world is looking down. But for the child of God, we're looking up. Our nation's in a mess this morning. Our communities are in a mess. Many homes are facing great trials. Where do we go from here? Titus 2.13 says, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The truth is that to answer the question, where do we go from here? um, The answer is the same answer that it's always been. 
Every generation must answer that question. And today, that question is presented to us, and we must give an answer. It's easy to sit back and dream of days gone by. It's easy to give up. But there is only one answer to this question that will move the kingdom of God forward and impact our world for Jesus Christ. That answer was given by Joshua. In Joshua chapter 24 and verse number 15, he says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Where do we go from here? We go forward with the gospel, serving the Lord Jesus Christ. On this Father's Day, and happy Father's Day to all fathers, one of the greatest gifts that can be given is not a gift that kids can give to their fathers. And boy, I rejoice that this morning we went and got some breakfast, and I was out sitting there in McDonald's. Both my, my four-year-old and my, and my seven-year-old got up and sort of massaging my shoulders, and they said, Daddy, ain't this the best Father's Day ever or what? And uh, everybody around us got tickled. And uh, boy, I said, it absolutely is. I'm grateful for it. But the truth is, the greatest Father's Day gift, men, will not be given by your children to you. But it'll be the gift that you give to your family. When like Joshua, you, you say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What will you do with Christ this morning? Where do we go from here? There's only one way that I want to go, and that's upwards with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Within earshot of the front doors of this church, there is a community around us that needs Jesus Christ. They are dying in their sins without hope, and it is up to you and I. If we do not go out with the prescription of God's word, they're going to die without Christ. The matter is too serious for us to sit back and hold the word of God dear and say that we love Jesus Christ and his gospel. If we truly love him, we'll share it. We'll make a difference. This morning, maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, Brother Randy, uh, I don't know the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior. I hear what you're saying. I hear that Christ, you're saying that Christ is wonderful and that he can make a difference. Why is that? This morning, the reason that this matters is because some 2,000 years ago, on the north side of Jerusalem, north of the Temple Mount, there's this little hill called Calvary, Golgotha. And on that hill, Jesus Christ laid down his life for you and I. He paid the price. Jesus Christ turned upon him. The Bible says that the world went black and dark and there was no light because God had hid his very face from Jesus Christ because of the sin that he bore. That sin was your sin and it was my sin. 
And because you and I were condemned to death, we were condemned to hell and eternity without Jesus Christ. God knew that there was no way for you and I to escape hell. And so as a result, he sent Jesus Christ and he died upon that cross for your sin and for mine. And he says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This morning, I want you to know that regardless of your past, regardless of what you have done or have not done, I want you to know that Jesus Christ has died for your sins. And if you'll place your faith in him, he'll forgive you of your sins and give you life anew. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Morning, we're going to have an invitation to him in just a moment. But I wonder, is there one here this morning who would say, Pastor, I'll be honest with you this morning, Pastor Ellis. I'll be honest with you. I want to go to heaven when I die. I pray that I, I hope that I go to heaven. But, Pastor, I'm just not sure. I don't know if I'd, I want to go to heaven when I die, but I'm not sure. No one looking around. But if that's you this morning, would you say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to know that I can go to heaven. Would you slip your hand up and back down? I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'll pray for you this morning. Is there one? Slip your hand up and back down. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure if I die right now that I'd go to heaven. Is there one? Then I wonder this morning, church. Are our eyes focused on the gospel of Christ? Is he our purpose? Does he have our heart? Or have we allowed ourselves to get caught up in the emotions? The day-to-day -day routine of being a Christian that we have lost sight of what truly matters. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in prayer. Lord, we ask, God, that you might stir up our hearts. Lord, whatever your will is for North Etowah Baptist, God, I pray that this church would be a beacon, a lighthouse of the gospel of Christ. Lord, this community needs them. Lord, the gospel is too great the need too urgent. Lord, may you stir up this church and use them for your honor and your glory and for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray, amen.